Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. War has played a key role in the history of the United States, from the nation's founding right down to the present. War made the U.S. independent, kept it together, increased its size, and established it as a global superpower. Understanding America's wars is essential for understanding American history. Welcome to Key Battles of American History, a podcast in which we discuss American history through the lens of the most important battles of America's wars. Here is your host, James Early. Hello, everyone. I have an exciting announcement for you. This is James, as always. We have a new podcast that is joining the Parthenon Podcast Network. In fact, it's already joined, and there's already three excellent episodes out. Some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have even listened. But in case some of you have not, I wanted to let you know that Chris Mowry from the Vlogging Through History YouTube channel is now doing a podcast by the same name, Vlogging Through History. What Chris is doing is he's taking some of his YouTube channel episodes where he's visited battlefields, and he is expanding them, adding in new personal memoirs from journals and other and diaries and other and books and other sources, and it turns into a great story. Chris is a fantastic storyteller, and I know you're going to love this podcast. Here is the description that Chris himself gives for the podcast. Many people learn about history as a collection of names, dates, and places. History is so much more interesting than that. It is the stories of men and women who made those places and events matter. It is the story of the private soldier as much as it is the story of the great general. It is the story of the farmer in the field as much as it is the story of the man in the Oval Office. Join Chris from the YouTube channel Vlogging Through History as we dive deeper into the forgotten stories of our past and into the details of the stories we thought we already knew. Now, in a minute, I'm going to give you a snippet from one of Chris's episodes. You definitely want to give that a listen. But before I do, I wanted to let you know that there are some giveaway coming up and incentive for you to go on and give the podcast a rating and review. The network is giving away five three-month subscriptions to The Great Courses for everyone who leaves a review on VTH's Apple Podcast page. So all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, search up Vlogging Through History Podcast, and then leave a review. Hopefully a good one, because it is a great podcast. And if you do that, you'll be, again, put into a drawing for a three-month trial subscription to The Great Courses Plus. So to enter the contest, in addition to putting the review on Apple Podcasts, go to vloggingthroughhistory.com. That's V-L-O-G-G-I-N-G. T-H-R-O-U-G-H-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y.com for instructions. You can also just Google Vlogging Through History Podcast and you'll find your way to that site. So there'll be instructions there. You'll have to do a few clicks and enter a little bit of information, not much. It won't take long, but you must enter by Friday, July 8th. All right, 
Good luck and enjoy the podcast. And now, without further ado, here is a sample from the Vlogging Through History podcast. Historian Dr. Michael Birdwell wrote, quote, As York became of age, he earned a reputation as a deadly accurate shot and a hellraiser. Drinking and gambling in borderline bars known as the Blind Tigers, York was generally considered a nuisance and someone who would never amount to anything. That reputation underwent a serious overhaul when York experienced a religious conversion in 1914. In that year, two significant events occurred. His best friend, Everett Delk, was killed in a bar fight in Static, Kentucky, and he attended a revival conducted by H.H. Russell of the Church of Christ in Christian Union. Delk's senseless death convinced York that he needed to change his ways or suffer a fate similar to his fallen comrade, which prompted him to attend the prayer meeting, end quote. This was a crisis of conscience moment in Alvin York's life. We all face these at some point where everything we thought we knew, everything that has defined our life to that moment runs up against something that gives us an opportunity to radically change direction or double down on who we already are. And for Alvin York, this moment was a radical change in direction. He knew something needed to change. And there there are a lot of different ways that can go when you realize that something needs to change in your life. For him, it meant becoming committed to his new faith. Now, this was not just some ordinary Christian sect. This was a very small denomination that had a devoted following, but mainly just in the states of Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. It was also a denomination that had a very strict moral code, which forbade things like drinking, dancing, going to the movies, swimming, popular literature, and violence and war. So for Alvin, this was not simply giving up drinking and getting in bar fights. This was a radical change in everything that he believed in. And that change was about to be challenged in a pretty significant way because 1914 was also the year that the Great War broke out in Europe. We know it today as World War I, but at the time it was known as the Great War, the war to end all wars. You name the description and it was given. It was violent, it was destructive, and it was unlike anything that the Western world had ever seen before. By 1917, the war had raged for nearly three years. And there were millions dead, many millions more wounded, scarred for life, mentally and physically. It was in 1917 that the United States of America finally entered the war against the central powers led by the Germans. In his war message on April 2nd, 1917, President Woodrow Wilson pledged our nation's considerable resources to help the Allies defeat the Central Powers. But what the Allies desperately needed more than anything were fresh troops to relieve the men who had been on the Western Front for going on three years. Now, the problem was that the United States of America did not have much of an army at that point, despite the fact that throughout 1916, Wilson had begun the process of improving 
the Americans' military preparedness. At the time of the declaration of war in April of 1917, the United States only had about a 100,000-man army, and that was nowhere near what was going to be needed to fight in Europe. So to deal with that shortage of manpower, President Wilson encouraged the government to adopt military conscription, just as had been done for most of the countries of Europe. He argued that was actually the most democratic form of enlistment. So on May 18th of 1917, the Selective Service Act was signed into law. The act required all men in the United States between the ages of 21 and 30 to register for military service. And within a few months, something in the neighborhood of 10 million men across the country had registered in response to this military draft. One of those men was 29-year-old Alvin York. These draft registration cards are really quite fascinating to read through. And uh, if you're interested at all in your own family history, Ancestry.com has these draft registration cards available. That's where I'm reading Alvin York's right now. And just read you some of the information that he provided for this document. He gives his name as Alvin Cullum York, age 29, home address, Pall Mall, Tennessee, gives his date of birth, states that he's a natural born citizen who was born in Pall Mall, Tennessee. He says that he's presently employed as a laborer on a farm and that he works on a farm in that same town. He states that he has a mother, brothers, and sisters who are dependent on him for support, that he's single, that he is Caucasian, he has no military service, that he's got blue eyes and red hair. He's not bald. He has no physical defects of any kind. But here is the most fascinating part of this document and the indication of what's to come in Alvin York's life. I've read a lot of these documents over the years, and typically when you read under number 12, it says, do you claim exemption from the draft? Specify grounds. Now, I've seen things like people saying that they have an injured knee or they've lost an eye, something along those lines, but I've never seen one that says what Alvin York says in that column. And he puts these words. It says, yes don't want to fight. James here, and now a brief word from our sponsors. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that is the story of Alvin York, a man who was in his youngest days a fighter who's an expert marksman who has all of the makings of the perfect American soldier. And yet when given the opportunity to go and fight for his country, he says, no, I don't want to fight. I want to stay here and be a farmer. I want to live at peace. I want to continue down this path that I made a decision to follow just a couple of years ago when my best friend was killed in a bar fight. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who drinks and injures and hurts other people. I just want to live my life at peace. But as we've already been discussing, you know, sometimes there are those moments in our lives where the trajectory of our lives changes forever. Sometimes it's because of our own choices, and sometimes it's things that happen to us and how we respond to those things. Alvin York didn't get a choice on whether or not this war happened. He didn't really even get a choice on whether or not he participated in the war, but he did have a choice in how he responded to these events that happened to him. And it's that response that made Alvin York a legend. That initial claim for conscientious objector status by Alvin York was denied. He appealed the decision, citing his religious faith as a member of a pacifist denomination of Christianity, but Here's the thing. During World War I, conscientious objector status did not exempt the objector from military duty. Those individuals could still be drafted. They were just given assignments that wouldn't conflict with their anti-war principles. And so it was in November 1917, just weeks before turning 30 years old, Alvin York was drafted and began his army service at Camp Gordon in Georgia. From the day he registered for the draft until the day he returned from the war in late May of 1919, Alvin York kept a diary. Now, this diary is fascinating to read through because, first of all, it gives us a glimpse into what Alvin York was like on a day-to-day basis, and it even gives us a glimpse into how he talked. He didn't talk like you and I speak today. My family comes originally from eastern Kentucky, and so I'm a little bit familiar with the way people spoke at that time, especially coming from the hills of North Central Tennessee, as Alvin York did. It's a different way of speaking. It's a different use of words. It's a different way of of saying those words. And so it's very much written in Alvin York's way of speaking, but it also shows us that his faith was very, very real in his life. It was not just an act. It was not just something that was on the external. This was how he thought. This is how he interacted with other people. And in his diary, he wrote that he actually refused to sign documents that were provided by his pastor seeking a discharge from the army on religious grounds and similar documents that were provided by his mother asserting a claim of exemption as the sole support for his family. Despite that initial signed request he had provided earlier for an exemption, it appears that now he rejected the idea of being a conscientious objector. 
York was assigned to Company G of the 328th Infantry, 82nd Division. We know it today as the 82nd Airborne Division, but at the time, it was just the 82nd Division or the 82nd Infantry Division. Now, despite the fact that he had resigned himself to serving in the military, there was still a deep concern on Alvin York's part and a conflict between his pacifism and this ongoing training to kill his fellow man. And so York decided to speak at length with his company commander, Captain Edward Danforth, and his battalion commander, a man named Major G. Edward Buxton, who was a devout Christian himself. Speaking about these conversations, Sam Cowan wrote, quote, They explained the conditions under which it were possible, if he chose, to secure an exemption. They pointed out the way he could remain in the service of his country and not be among the combat troops. The sincerity, the earnestness of York impressed the officers, and they had not one but a number of talks in which the scriptures were quoted to show the Savior's teachings. They brought out many facts about the war that the Tennessee Mountaineer had not known. York did not take the release that lay within his grasp. Instead, he thumbed his Bible in search of passages that justified the use of force. One day before the regiment sailed for France, when York's company was leaving the drill field, Captain Danforth sent for him. Together they went over many passages of the Bible which both had found. In one he quoted, If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. Then they were together for several hours. At last York said, All right, I'm satisfied. After that, there was no reference to religious objection. From the first, he had seen the justice of the war. Now, he saw the righteousness of it. York's abilities as a soldier were soon revealed. He quickly qualified as a sharpshooter, both as skirmisher and from the top of the trench. In battalion contest formation, where the soldiers run and fall and fire, shooting at moving targets, it was not difficult for him to score eight hits out of ten shots, and with a rifle that was new to him. This, too, over a range that began at 600 yards and went down to 100 yards, with the targets in the shape of the head and shoulders of a man. In these maneuvers, he attracted the attention of his officers. The impressive figure of the man with its ever-present evidence of reserve force, the strength of his personality, uneducated as he was, made him a natural leader of the men around him. Officers of the regiment have said that he would have received a promotion while in training camp, but for the policy of not placing in command a man who might be a conscientious objector. End quote. Traveling first to Boston, York's unit sailed for Le Havre, France, in May of 1918 and arrived later that month after a stop in Britain. Here's what Alvin York had to say about his first experiences in France. Quote, James here, and now a brief word from our sponsors. Doctors endorse it. Nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calatron Healthy Weight Loss. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calatron. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 35 inches and 45 pounds. Calatron contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body. 
which decreases as we age. Taking collagen promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free, plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word BATTLES to 30605 and I'll send you a link to this special offer. Once again, text the word BATTLES, B-A-T-T-L-E-S, 30605. You'll be glad you did. They were some of the most powerful men who've ever lived. They waged war, forged peace, and altered the fates of billions of people. And yet, they were just as human, just as flawed as you and me. They were the presidents of the United States, and they are the subjects of the history podcast, This American President. In each episode of This American President, we explore how flawed men have managed this awesome responsibility. To listen now, go to ParthenonPodcast.com or search This American President on your favorite podcast platform. This is organized crime and punishment, history and crime like you've never heard it. Joy and mustache Chris, Steve and their crew as they take deep dives into the fascinating stories of the mafia. Find organized crime and punishment at the website organizedcrimeandpunishment.com and everywhere else you find great podcasts. Make sure you tell your friends about Organized Crime and Punishment so that friends of yours can become friends of ours. Forget about it. So we got to France at Le Havre. There we turned in our guns and got British guns. Well, we went out from Le Havre to a little inland camp. I had taken a liking to my gun by this time. I had taken it apart and cleaned it enough to learn every piece and I could almost put it back together with my eyes shut. The Greeks and Italians were improving. They had stayed continuously on the rifle range for a month or two, and got so they could shoot well. They were fairly good pals, too. But I missed the Tennesseans. I was the only mountaineer in the platoon. I didn't like the British guns so well. I don't think they were as accurate as our American rifles. My buddies were some boys from the East. There was Corporal Murray Savage, he got killed in the Argonne, and Harry Parsons from Brooklyn, New York. I think he was a vaudeville actor. And there were a lot of other Eastern boys who were in my platoon. It sure was a mixed platoon, with the Greeks and Italians and New York Jews, and there were some Irish and one German. I sure did miss the mountain boys from Tennessee and Kentucky. But I got to like those other boys in my platoon. I was the largest in the platoon. We got our first gas masks in La Havre. I was still a private. The man in charge of my platoon was Lieutenant Stewart from Georgia. The company commander was Captain Danforth of Augusta, Georgia. Our platoon sergeants were Sergeant Early and Sergeant Harry Parsons. Early was busted for being AWOL after we left La Havre. After that, he was acting corporal. He was a good soldier. Parsons was never busted. He was a good soldier, too. I was made a corporal just before we went into the Saint-Mihel Drive. That offensive to which he's referring there, the Saint-Mihel offensive, was a major battle fought by American and French troops under the command of General Pershing 
against German positions in the middle of September of 1918. It was the first use by Americans of the terms D-Day and H-Hour. And it was part of a plan by Pershing to break through the German lines and capture the fortified city of Metz. It was the first large-scale offensive that was launched mainly by the U.S. Army, and it caught the Germans in the process of retreating. But it didn't quite work out the way that the Americans had hoped. It did, however, lead to the larger offensive to come at Meuse-Argonne. With the conclusion of fighting in Saint-Mihel, the 82nd Division was shifted northward to take part in the Meuse-Argonne Offensive. Entering the fighting on October 7th to relieve units of the 28th Infantry Division, Alvin York's unit received orders that night to advance the next morning to take Hill 223 and then press on to sever the Decauville Railroad north of Chateau Chehari. Now, you might be wondering, you probably hear that every so often, a name like Hill 223 or the Battle of Belleau Wood, there was Hill 142. Where did they come up with those names? Well, it's a lot less interesting than you might think. If you look at a map, an elevation map, you'll see that number 223 on Hill 223, and that just indicates that's how many meters high it was in elevation. So it's really a, a pretty unremarkable name for what was already on the map. So York's unit advanced around 6 a.m. on October 8th to take Hill 223, and they were immediately successful in driving the Germans off of the hill and taking the position. Moving forward from the hill, York's unit was forced to attack through a triangular valley and quickly came under German machine gun fire from several sides from the adjacent hills. And, you know, when you visit there today and you, you come up over the hill out of Chateau Chehari, you see this valley just kind of open up. It's, it's so fascinating because you're in this town and there's this main road that drives through the town. And then you get to the edge of the town and, and you find a place to park and you walk up and over this hill and immediately it's like you're in a different world. You've gone from civilization to the backwoods. It's the best way to describe it. And you can, you can visualize so easily why this was such a powerful position for the Germans and why it was such a difficult place to be if you're the Americans. Because, yeah, they took the initial hill, but now you've got these other hills and you're down in this valley and you've got these dozens of machine gun positions that are just all able to focus their fire from multiple sides down on you. It was no wonder that the Americans were pinned down in this location. The American attack stalled in the valley and they began to take significant casualties. In an effort to eliminate the machine guns and get the men moving again, a 17-man patrol was set up led by Sergeant Early and that included Alvin York. And they were ordered to work around into the German rear. Taking advantage of the brush and the hilly nature of the terrain, the troops were able to slip behind the German lines and advance up one of the hills opposite of the American advance. In the process of doing this, they overran and captured a German headquarters area and secured a large number of prisoners, which included a German major. And this will become important later on in the story. While Early's men began to secure the prisoners, the German machine gunners up the slope turned several of their guns and opened fire on the American patrol. Six of the 17 were killed. Three more were wounded, including Sergeant Early. 
This left Alvin York in command of the remaining group of men. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Key Battles of American History is a proud member of the Parthenon Podcast Network, which includes several other podcasts, including History Unplugged by Scott Rank, Beyond the Big Screen and History of the Papacy by Steve Guerra, This American President by Richard Lim, Eyewitness History by Josh Cohen, and Vlogging Through History by Chris Mowry. If you haven't already, I strongly encourage you to check out these great podcasts. If you would like to support this podcast and help it to grow, there are four things you can do. First, you could subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on the podcast player of your choice. This helps other people to find the podcast. Ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are especially helpful. Second, join our Facebook group, American History Fanatics, where we discuss the episodes of this podcast, as well as other topics related to American history. Third, tell as many friends as you can about the show. And fourth, you could join the elite unit called Early's Raiders by going to patreon.com and searching for key battles of American history. There are five different levels of support to choose from. Each level allows you to have early access to ad-free episodes. Higher levels bring additional benefits, including bonus episodes and even the ability to commission episodes on topics of your choosing. Before I close, I would like to give a shout out to the current members of Early's Raiders. Thanks to Majors Chris C., Anna Concepcion Castro, Brandon Cuckler, Mike Leslie, Bob McCullough, Melissa Mueller, Doug Pergram, and Jacob Thomason. Captains Ryan Apashian, Blue Ridge 201, Alex Calabrese, Alex Coombs, Grant Holmstrom, Jeff Henley, Stephen James, Jose Martinez, Tim Moon, Mike Rollison, David Santee, and Michael Severino. And to Lieutenants Patrick Brennan, Sean Burrell, Matthew Christensen, Ronald Cohen, Craig Didier, Roger Douglas, Scott Hendricks, Hoosier Daddy, David Lueza, and Jeff Sabo. I greatly appreciate your support. Thank you for listening to Key Battles of American History. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast catcher. And please be sure and spread the word about the show. If you can spare a few minutes, rate and review the show at Apple Podcasts. This greatly helps us to reach more listeners. And for show notes, maps, and further discussion, visit our website at www.keybattlesofamericanhistory.com. Thank you, and we look forward to joining you again in the next episode of Key Battles of American History. Thank you.